in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints of God, Jesus is headed towards Jerusalem, and He's passing through now the region between Galilee and Samaria. And His disciples are with Him, and a large crowd, and He's teaching, and He's healing. And as they're going into a certain village, ten lepers find Him. And from a great distance, the text says, from afar off, they cry out to Him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These lepers had to be at a great distance. That was the law. They couldn't come into the village. They couldn't even come up to close to a person. If anyone was to walk up to the leper, they would have to back off and warn them of their leprosy by yelling out, unclean, unclean. They, they always had to be far off. But Jesus hears their cries from this distance and He sends them to show themselves to the priest. Now, we might miss this. When Jesus does that, when He sends them to the priest, He's promising that they'll be healed. It was the priest, according to the law of Moses, and only the priest, who could declare a leper to be cleansed. Cleansed of their leprosy. Able to go back into the village, into their home, to resume their job, to go back with their family, and to go into the temple and offer sacrifices. When Jesus sends these ten lepers to the priest, He is telling them, you will be healed. And it's true. As they're going on the way, the lepers are healed. All ten of them. But now there's a division in the text. All ten of these lepers are healed and all ten are cleansed, but there's only one that returns to give thanks to God and worship Jesus. And that one is a Samaritan. I think to put the best construction on the reading of things that the nine probably went to the priests as they were instructed to do. But this Samaritan is commended to us as one with greater insight. In fact, with greater faith. This Samaritan knows that Jesus is more than a mere miracle worker. He knows through this healing that Jesus is God. And so he returns to give thanks to him and to worship him. Do you see, dear saints, that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that in fact the, entire of the entirety of the Scriptures is trying to put us in the same place that this Samaritan is. It's bringing us to the same insight that this Samaritan has, that Jesus is God. That He is the one who saves us and rescues us and redeems us. And that we at last are brought to His feet to worship Him. That's what happens to the Samaritan leper. He is no longer far off. He comes right up, the text says, to the feet of Jesus. To His feet. And falls down. And with a loud voice gives thanks to God. That is, gives thanks to Jesus. Wonderful. Thanksgiving is what the Samaritan shows us and is what the text is about. Thanksgiving is a fruit of repentance. It's a fruit of faith. This man, this Samaritan leper, has that gift. The gift of thankfulness. 
I don't know how it will be with you, but this text came at precisely the perfect time to remind me of this very thing. And I suspect it's a good reminder for all of us that we as Christians ought to be thankful. Thankfulness is commanded even in the Ten Commandments. Can you think of what commandment it is? The second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we don't curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by His name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise and give thanks. When we think of the Ten Commandments and how we should live, at least how when I think of the Ten Commandments and how I should live, I normally think of the second table of the law. Uh, you know, the, the commandments that have to do with loving your neighbor, honoring your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. But when we see the work of the Holy Spirit, especially in the lives of the Lord's Christians, He is working especially here with the first table, with the first three commandments that have to do with us and God. The Holy Spirit is creating in us a fear and love and a trust in God above all things. The Holy Spirit is teaching us to pray and to trust that the Lord hears us when we pray. The Holy Spirit teaches us to desire to hear and learn the Lord's Word. The Holy Spirit teaches us to be patient in suffering. The Holy Spirit teaches us to be joyful and to be content and to be thankful. It is the Holy Spirit's work in His Christians, in us. And so thankfulness is the mark of a Christian. We find this theme running through the Bible. Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His steadfast love endures forever. Ephesians 5.20 Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 1, 11 to 12 May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Colossians 3, verse 17. There's a, actually a ton of these verses in Colossians. We had to take a few of them out of the list here. Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The life of the Christian is marked with giving thanks, with thanksgiving. But we then have this frightful question, the crushing question of the law that always comes to us. Is your life full of thanksgiving? Is it? Think about it. If someone was to describe you, would they describe you as a thankful person? The opposite of thanksgiving, I think, is thinking that you deserve something. Entitlement. 
I earned that thing. I deserved it. You don't remember, you don't send a thank you note for your paycheck. Why? Because you earned it. And, and most of us think of the world this way. We think of our lives this way. That, that we've earned the things that we have. And this sense, this entitlement, this thought of our own worthiness, it kills thanksgiving. The, the leper in the text is an example of thanksgiving. The one who comes to Jesus. Because he knows better. He's got nothing but a stinking, rotting, soon-to-die body. He's deserved nothing, earned nothing. Everything comes to him as a gift. There's another example of this in the Gospels. This, in fact, is earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 7, where Jesus is dining with some Pharisees. And a sinner, probably a prostitute, comes in to the dinner and falls down at the feet of Jesus and starts to, to wet his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. She's, she's cleaning the feet of Jesus with her sorrow. And the Pharisees are balking at this, but Jesus teaches, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for, for she loved much. He who is forgiven little, Loves little. This dear woman who comes to wash the feet of Jesus, this Christian sister of ours, abounded in thanksgiving because she she knew what she deserved for her many sins and she knew the grace of our Lord Jesus that He gave her instead forgiveness and life and salvation. Whoever is forgiven much, loves much. Whoever is forgiven much, is much or very thankful. If you then are ungrateful, if you are thank, if you are thankless, it is perhaps because you've forgotten what a great sinner you are. You've forgotten what you've deserved from the Lord. You've forgotten His wrath and His anger and His eternal punishment. When we remember this, we certainly are humbled. But then we come to the Lord's church and we see what He gives on the other side, that, that, that He doesn't give to us His wrath or his anger. Uh, he doesn't send us to hell. He, in fact, doesn't even spare his own son, but delivers him up for us all. Jesus on the cross, where everything is spent, everything is suffered. The, the, the entire punishment of the law that you and I deserve is borne up by Jesus, our Savior. And he does it there freely. Not because you've earned it, or because you've deserved it, or because in any way you've been worthy of it, but simply because he loves you. Because He has a love for you that cannot be stopped. Because He wants you forgiven. Because He will have you in eternal life with Him forever. When we see this, we cannot but be thankful. Everything in this life comes from God's grace and generosity. Your home, your work, your family your health, every breath that you take, you deserve none of it. It's all pure gift. It's all brought to us by the cross of Jesus. It all is undeserved mercy. So we who are forgiven much, love much. We who are forgiven much, give great thanks. So it is, dear saints, that we find ourselves in good company this morning. 
were found in the company of this prostitute. The prostitute who is forgiven. Our sister in Christ who is joyfully at the feet of Jesus. We find ourselves in good company. In the company of a Samaritan leper. A forgiven Samaritan leper. Our brother in Christ who is at the feet of Jesus worshiping Him and giving Him thanks. We find ourselves in the great company of sinners that have been since the world began. Forgiven sinners who deserve nothing, but who are given by God absolutely everything out of His kindness and love. We find ourselves this morning, dear saints, we find ourselves forgiven. And for that, we give thanks to God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.